Bulls Gold is delivered to you via the Barroom Network, now in its seventh year of providing podcasts about Chicago sports, movies, and more. Make sure to subscribe to the Barroom Network for free and easy downloads of its programming. And visit its merchandising store at deepdishtees.com to purchase t-shirts, hoodies, and mugs. Now, on with the show. To Bulls Gold on the Barroom Network. I am Celine Sutterwala, and as always, I'm joined by Edward Schuler Jr. Hey, Ed, how's it going? How's your Saturday morning? It's going well. Uh, the Bulls are in Brooklyn today, so we'll get to see a matchup of currently the top two teams in the East, record-wise, at least. So uh, that should be a really good game, and we've had some uh, really an entertaining game this week against the Knicks. So uh, a lot of good vibes in the air after. Uh, we had some questions last week about the Bulls, uh, but I'm doing really well. How about you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. We we also had um, the resolution on the tampering charges. The so-called, you know, the league was going to throw the hammer down on the Heat and the Bulls. Supposedly, uh, you know, AK was supposed to get suspended again. Comical. How you how do you suspend an executive? Um, he was the Bulls were supposed to get fined with like ten million dollars, and then they were supposed to lose the first round pick. Uh, I, I wanted to talk to you about that before we get on with our show because I think you and I have always been pretty consistent with the tampering stuff. It's it's stupid. It's the NBA mm-hmm. trying to uh, you know penalize teams for essentially doing something that the league technically wants them to do because the league loves free agency, loves all the news that breaks right away. <laughs> when the moment six o'clock comes, they love like all these signings happening. They love like the restrictive free agency stuff happening. Um, you know, and I figured like, you know, if you, if you penalize a team that really like hard, you end up shooting yourself in the foot and then you'll stop, you'll kind of lose that and you lose the buzz that it creates and everything like that. So, you know, it's funny to hear your thoughts again on that because it's funny, like I said, you know, supposedly they were going to be so, you know, harsh on the penalty, but you only end up losing a second round pick. Yeah. All of that uh, hype and it's just a second round pick. (laughs) So uh, I believe it's the earliest second round pick and it doesn't necessarily have to be owned by the bulls uh, or doesn't necessarily have to be the Bulls' own pick. So if they have a pick from another team that they own, then it can still be that pick or something like that. So I think it can still convey. Uh, what is it? Is it this? Is it twenty twenty two or twenty twenty three? I'm not sure. But a second round pick, I think you're fine with that. I think overall, in like we said the last time we talked about this, it's just every league does this through back channels through all of these relationships and they all build so much hype off of this and they all like sell ads based on this with the free agency show that they do on ESPN. It's not like they do that free agency show like they're just camping out waiting for something to happen. 
they know something is going to happen. And that's why they air the show for what, an hour at the top of, as soon as free agency starts. So it's, unless it's something just flat out cold blooded that we really haven't seen, it didn't seem like the Bulls did anything that the typical NBA team does during free agency or before free agency. And it, it just never made sense to take away a first round pick and find millions of dollars and suspend people. It, it just wasn't that type of party. Yeah. Like I can understand something really egregious, like uh, what the uh, wolves did with uh, Joe Smith, like so many years back. Yeah. Maybe I can understand that. But yeah. like stuff like, I don't know, just talking to uh, free agents and before or talking to the free agents agent before, you know, the time starts or whatever, that stuff just feels like it's not really, it's not really that harmful, but anyways, yeah. we'll, we'll get in, we'll get on with our, our show here. You know, we we're, we're about a quarter into the season. So we thought it'd be a good idea to do a quarter season review. And to help us do that today, returning for the third time, one of our favorite NBA analysts, the co-founder of Premium Hoops, also will be contributing to basketballnews.com, uh, the wonderful Mark Schindler. Mark, how's it going, man? How are you? I'm really good. I appreciate you guys having me on. Um, it's hard to believe this is the third time already. I remember coming on the first time, and it feels like that was forever ago and also <laughs> like last week. So yeah, um, it's been that kind of season, man. But no, I'm psyched to be on and talk some bowls, man. How are you guys doing? Good, good. Uh, yeah, we're we're having we're excited how the season's transpired so far. We're happy. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I would hope so, man. <laughs> if, uh, if you were not happy with how the season transpired, I would not know what to tell you. Yeah, I think I think <laughs> exactly. we were all like a little like at least me. I know I was a little conservative in what I thought this team was capable of. I thought I had them finishing like six in the Eastern Conference, and mm-hmm. so far they've been one of the more balanced teams in the NBA, and they sit. Uh, second in the Eastern Conference, a quarter of the way in. Still a lot of basketball left, obviously. But, yeah, this has been a very, very exciting season for Bulls fans. Yeah, no, I mean, they've been legit. I, I think I pegged them around like three to six is where I thought they would finish. I was a lot higher on the defense than I think general consensus was. It was not this high on the defense, um, which I'm sure we'll get into. But, yeah, no, they've uh, they've been a, one of my favorite watches early this year. Um, and they've been consistent too. Like you mentioned earlier on, there was a, there were some questions that I was starting to have about two weeks ago, and then they kind of write, write the ship, which I, I like seeing that for a team that, mm-hmm. um, we, we have higher aspirations for. So it's been a, it's been a pleasant season, man. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, you, you talked about the defense being so good. Um, it's been kind of surprisingly good. Like what, what else would you say is pretty surprised you about this team? heading into season we talked about so many different variables before the season started you know even even the most optimistic bulls fan probably had this team around the fifth seed fourth seed but they really have an opportunity to be a top three seed this year in the east which is which i think is probably surprising for a lot of people but in your thoughts like what are some of the things that you've seen when you watch this team that you'd look at as like, wow, I'm, I'm really surprised that this is happening and this is how it's working out is really working out well. Uh, yeah, a couple of things. I mean, obviously number one is the defense for sure. Um, I thought they would be good. I didn't think that they would be this good. Um, I was thinking like 10 to 15, something like that. I think they're sixth right now. Um, I think I would assume for me is one of the guys I would have up there, uh, which sounds really small. But to me, one of my questions about the Bulls coming in was what does the bench look like? How does um, how does Billy get the most out of the bench? Is there someone that they find who 
um, can fill in more as like a ninth man off the bench because I thought the team had good depth at the top of the rotation, but the bottom of the rotation I had more questions about. And especially too, like Io's played a big part and a little bit less so recently with Kobe being back, but Io's played a big part in why they're so effective in transition, especially with the smaller bench unit. Um, you know, seeing Derek Jones pop as well. Like, I guess overall, like the best way to put it would be the small bench unit has been what was been really impressive to me because I, uh, I was not somebody who had a lot of confidence in Tony Bradley coming into the year. Like, I think he can be a backup center, but for what he was going to have to do in terms of lifting this team, um, I wasn't quite there. Uh, and clearly, I mean, Billy's kind of felt the same way based on Tony's playing time. Uh, and we've just seen them really find ways to punish teams by using what some might have seen as a disadvantage early on in the year. So to me, that's been probably the biggest surprise. It's something I've really enjoyed. Yeah, Io has been really good for the role that he's been in. He's been a star in his role. It can bring value on both sides of the ball. So it's just given the Bulls so many different looks that they can throw at the team in terms of how they utilize their guards. Uh, speaking of like speaking of that, Billy Donovan, I think at least for me, I was very high on him coming into this season because what we've seen of him as a coach throughout his uh, NBA career is that he's been able to put together or not put together, but he's been able to coach all of these different teams year after year. He's never really had a consistent like team every year. Like In OKC, it definitely fluctuated. And of course, towards the end, it went into a rebuild and he was even able to turn that rebuild into a playoff team. So he comes to Chicago and uh, in the second season, he gets this team and he has done a really good job. Like we were uh, saying earlier, the Bulls are one of the more balanced teams in the league and they're able to throw so many different looks at you. And I, I think he's done a relatively good job so far this season. And he has to be up there in terms of coach of the year consideration, at least a quarter of the way in. So what do you think about what Billy has done so far? And are there things that you see from him that he needs to do a little better? Yeah, um, I've been really impressed with Billy. I think that's part of the reason I was high on on the defense coming in, too, because you know, a lot of people are like, oh, the personnel, the personnel, they're going to be 20th or bottom or, or, or lower. I was like, Billy Dom has never coached a bad defense before. He's coached like slightly above average defenses or even very good defenses with inopportune rosters. So um, I think to that, you have to give him a lot of credit, especially how he's built everything. You could see that playing out already in the preseason when they started working on, you know, icing the corners a ton and trying to uh, keep Vooch in smaller spaces. So he doesn't have to move laterally as much or move backwards because that's where he really starts to have problems. Um, so I've really liked that where I do have questions is the half court offense. I think that's still been something that, I really want to wait and see. Um, I know they're top 10 in offense right now, but they're 12th in half court uh, points per possession. And that even sometimes that feels high to me. Um, and that's not, um, it's not meant to be like a total knock, but for a team that we're viewing as being, you know, that obviously has playoff aspirations. Um, I just don't think the half court offense is there yet. Um, I also think in some ways it's been not even that like Levine and, and DeMar haven't played together well, I think it's just been um, trying to find ways to utilize them together has been difficult because it feels very my turn, your turn. And then uh, especially towards the end of games, but then during the middle of games when they're not coming in transition um, as like, and I have to say this carefully because I know like a Zoanon is out there and they will find you. Um, <laughs> but I do think that there is just a like a, a little bit too much that runs through Lonzo ball and Alex Caruso in the half court. 
Um, especially when you have two guys who are as capable on the ball as, as, as DeMar and Zach, I don't quite understand why so much is running through uh, Lonzo and Zach, especially when, I mean, not Zach, uh, Lonzo and Alex, when they're clearly better off ball players. Um, so I think those will be where my biggest questions come in. I think hopefully Vooch being back and, and being back back, hopefully um, will maybe even some things out, but I've still just been really encouraged overall. Yeah, I think uh, Billy's tried to limit more so maybe with Alex and Lonzo um, handling, but there's sometimes that they, he, I think he goes to that because teams trap Zach and DeMar. So he's trying to find a way to get them, uh, you know, less defensive pressure on them. Um, but that's where a guy like Booch comes into play. And I feel like a lot, like lately, I, you know, I was talking to Edward before we started recording and you hopped on with us. Um, a lot like the half court offense is it's weird. Like, so when teams start going zone on the bulls, I feel like everything else also starts falling apart for them. Like their deep, their own defense starts getting a little sketchy. Um, even when they get good possessions, like they move the ball, they, they're able to hit, hit, you know, get in, into the paint, get it out to a shooter who's wide open. The shooter just misses. It's And it's, and it tends to be a, a, a person that you want shooting the ball, like Lonzo, who's, you know, shooting like 48% from the corner. Uh, and especially on catch and shoot, you have Kobe who Kobe, yeah, he's, he's working his way back, but he's tends to be a good shooter uh, on a catch and shoot at least, but he misses the shot. So like a lot of th- weird things start to happen all at once, especially, especially when teams that go zone, I don't know if it just affects like their entire mentality and how they're playing. Like they panic out almost seems like it seems like they almost need to just, Calm down, take a breath, and just be like, okay, so what? Team's going zone. Let's just collect ourselves and just execute. I mean, do you think that could also just be it too? Just calm down, guys. Let's execute. Um, It's interesting because that's where I've tried to see things with them. Like for me, that's where I feel different about their defense because like their defense has to be set to work in my opinion. Like I think, especially too with Vooch, it's hard because – uh, like he's just not somebody who can get back quick enough um, off of a live rebound. But that's where you see problems. Like when a team goes into zone, like I think that's something where you have to get the most out of Vooch. Um, but also like they have a tendency if things bog down in the half court to just chuck shots. Um, and it works at times because Zach and Damar are so freaking good. Like Damar has been an MVP candidate. He's been the best player on the team. Zach has still been incredible despite not quite being as good as he was last year. Um like you have really good contested shot makers, but my problem is they rely on it too much. And then when they start doing that, their defense falls apart. And to me, this is not a team that um, like sets the table. I don't want to say that they don't set the table with their defense, but I think in my, my opinion, I look at it, they have to be going on both ends to really have everything clicking. That sounds super rudimentary, but like if they're at their best, it's, it feels to me like Zach is more engaged on the defensive end when, when things are clicking offensively or not that he's less engaged, but more like, that's when you start to see him and DeMar start to do some of the jumping out to grab steals that puts them in op- in opportune positions, like especially against the game against the Knicks. Um, you started to see that in the third quarter. And I thought that was a big reason for why the Knicks ended up coming back into that game. Like you see DeMar starts to gamble out on the perimeter for steals, which is something he hasn't done as much this year. But when you see that uh, it starts happening in games when they're, you know, maybe they have a little bit of a lead or, or things have kind of bogged down, they start trying to gamble and that's when it starts going poorly. Um, so in some ways, it's trying to find a balancing act between both sides of the floor. Um, it still feels like something that they're trying to figure out. Um, 
but I, again, like it's, it's hard to be uber critical of them, but it's definitely something that I, I'm, I'm trying to see them parse through for sure. Does it feel like the Bulls play a very playoff style offense to you where, because in the playoffs, everybody knows each other's plays. So offenses become really simple and straightforward where it's just, I have the better guy, I have the better offensive player, stop him. Does it feel like that with this Bulls team where DeMar and Zach are both really efficient so far? Like I think uh, Zach's uh, true shooting is about 60%. DeMar just a little bit under that. And they're both about 25 points per game. They just score efficiently across the board. It feels like if they are hovering around that by the time we get the playoffs, this team can do some real damage. But I guess, is that like a fair assessment to say that this this team kind of plays a very playoff style offense where it's just those two guys and it's nothing really complex. And I don't know, like, what do you think about that? No, I agree. Like, I think that's where it leaves me wanting because I think this team has the talent to be a top five uh, or better offense. Like Mm -hmm. they have too much talent to be, like ninth in offensive rating sounds good, but for me, like this team has way more talent than that, at least in their starting lineup in terms of figuring things out offensively. And, and you're totally right. Like when a, when a play bogs down, it just turns into, okay, we'll isolate and see what happens. And again, that's worked really well this season, but okay. What happens when DeMar hits a cold spell? Um, I mean, obviously Zach is there too, but just considering like, okay, well then guys are sagging off DeMar a little bit more, you know, it changes up how, how the defense might be playing. Um, so I agree. Like, I think again, part of that, I think is going to come with finding ways to work Vooch in better. Um, but yeah, it definitely devolves a lot more into, I'm just going to be my man and it'll work. Um, but that's something that you want to like, that's what separates the good teams and the great teams for me. Like if this team is going to be a team that finishes second in the East, I think it's because they start to find ways to, um, to get easier offense without just saying, okay, we're going to, we're going to break you down off the dribble one-on-one because we have the guys to do it. Yeah. You, you talk about Zach and DeMar said, it's kind of been a, a running, become a running joke amongst Bulls fans where they like to poke fun at everyone that said, you know, DeMar and Zach won't fit together. And obviously we've, we've seen what that, the results have been so far with both of them because not only like they seem to become like really good friends too. not only like on, on the court, the chemistry is there, but they just seem to have clicked at all levels that you want them to, to click at and watching both of them, you know, you see those MVP trackers and you see both them mentioned in the MVP tracker. They're both like what top five, top 10 and, and points per game. Obviously Edward mentioned their efficiency as scores. They kind of seem for the most part, they seem on the same page throughout the, throughout the game. Um, and, you know, Zach mentioned, mentioned it's nice that, you know, he's there to have my back and we have, and DeMar mentioned that too, you know, that's the first thing we talked about just to have each other's back. Uh, when, when, when we get into any situation, you know, we, we just got to support each other. Um, I just want to get your thoughts on their fit. Like how, what have you seen that's obviously been really successful and then how, what else do you see that, okay, like there are some kinks left still that, you know, as the season go on, because it's only been about, you know, like a quarter into, quarter into the season. So this, while we have a, a decent amount of uh, data, there's still a lot of for them to work on and on certain things to even get better as far as their chemistry is concerned. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think in terms of looking at 
transition is where they've really popped for me. Um, like they're, they're, they just have such a good feel together in terms of how they're playing there. And I've loved that. Um, I think, it, and to me, I feel like it's less on them and more just, I want to see how Billy starts to utilize them together. Uh, it often feels like you're not getting both guys involved in actions. Uh, and I get it to a degree, like sometimes, okay, maybe you want um, Zach being used more as a decoy um, to draw out the defense to the weak side or something. But I also think like, okay, you got to get the most gravity out of your guys. That's why you have guys like, like Zach, not Zach, Jesus. I can sorry. <laughs> the names, names are hard. Uh, it's why you have like Caruso and, and, and Lonzo. So you can have them operating on the second side. Um, I want to see them find better ways to use Zach and Demar and Vooch all together and, and getting the most out of all their gravity. Um, because sometimes it just feels like too run of the mill in what they're running offensively. Um, I would need to do more of a deep dive and looking at it, but that's, you know, going back through a lot of my notes and, and everything, that's kind of what I have down. Like I want to see them get utilized more together. Um, and it, it, like, again, I, I don't think that they've been necessarily bad together or anything. Like I think in, in some ways it almost feels like, uh, like they, not that they're trying too hard to play together, but like you see sometimes where like they'll try and like, I mean, especially when Vooch was struggling earlier, like you saw how hard they were trying to get him going. Um, like there were moments where DeMar or Zach would pass up something easy to try and get Vooch an easy shot. Um, obviously it did not work, but like, you know, I think they're cognizant of trying to make things work. It's just finding better ways to do it. Yeah, and Vooch is, see, when we were talking about Vooch earlier, I, it's been so hard criticizing him because obviously he's been playing bad. Like that's obvious, but it wasn't like he was doing anything that was just, obviously bad he was missing shots he's taking open shots off pick and roll he's doing the things that has made him an all-star a a lot of shots just doesn't go didn't go down like i forget which game it was but dude was just having point blank looks at the rim and they were just rimming out or doing like the toilet bowl um first first knicks game or the first nets game i can't remember but there was one like he fronted the rim like six times i swear to god yeah yeah you know it was the Nets game because then he came in and he hit the wide open above the break three towards the end of the game that opened up a run. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, like exactly. It's been sorry to interrupt, but like it's no, yeah. that's what's been so hard with it because it's not like he's doing anything wrong. The shots just aren't falling. Obviously, once he started passing out of stuff, you're like, okay, well, now you're doing stuff wrong. So we can't have that. But mm-hmm. yeah, luckily, I mean, it seems like he's turning things around uh this last week. Fingers crossed on that. But um, yeah, it's yeah. Like they, they need him going for sure. Yeah, it seems like he's like progressing back. So now those open shots are turning into makes. He's been like red hot like the last like two or three games. So it feels like he's getting his confidence back. And if he's putting up, I, I don't expect him to score like 27 a game or whatever like that. But mm-hmm. if he's even putting up like 18, 19 efficiently, that's that third option that the Bulls have really needed. A guy that they that both DeMar and Zach can play the two-man game with. And of course, he's going to get plenty of wide open looks at the top of the key for three. So what have you seen? Like, what are your thoughts on Vooch this season and your, your thoughts on how the, the team is utilizing him? And do you think what he's doing right now is a sign of what's to come to continue to strengthen what has already been a, a really good offense despite his struggles? Yeah. I mean, I think we saw in that last next game, um, how important he was. Um, like, I mean, the Knicks were playing extremely aggressively to, to try and trap uh, DeMar and Zach, um, and bog down any sort of offensive possession. And you see, okay, hit, hit Vooch on the short roll, 
take an open shot or move the ball to somebody else who's open. Um, I think he's just really key in terms of trying to um, play off of what Zach and DeMar bring to the table. Uh, and also too, like I want to see more in terms of running DHLs with him, uh, utilizing him more as a post operator. Cause I don't think we've seen that quite as much as I'd like to this season. Part of that is with how much he's struggled. I think it's, it's made less sense to go through him that way. Um, but like, like you mentioned playing that, that, uh, like, you know, it, all right. When, when things get tough and you need a bucket, okay. Run DeMar and, and, and Vooch empty corner pick and roll or, and have, have Vooch pop. And then you just make it an absolutely difficult game. And, and we, you, again, you saw that with the Knicks too, like mm. Julius Randall and, and Evan Fournier ran that, uh, most of the third quarter it was fantastic. They ended up going away from it for what reason? I have no idea, but Bulls ended up winning. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I think there's there's more that you can see with that. What I've been like most encouraged by is is Vooch's defense, and that was something that I also talked about with you guys earlier uh, before the season. Like I thought he would surprise some people with his defense because it's just not what it got made out to be. He's really good at being in the right place and contesting, uh, or at least having his hands up. Like he's really good at contesting without um, like fully contesting or jumping. Um, and I think you've seen how important he's been for that. Uh, like the defense, it's not like it fell apart without Vooch, but I think you saw how much they missed just having somebody who is active, um, who sees things as well as he does on the court and is in the right places. Um, like just having somebody who's big and not a complete negative is important, even if they're not a, a rim protector necessarily. Um, so I've been really encouraged with that and how well he's played. Uh, but yeah, like that. Sorry, I got I got sidetracked. But yeah, offensively, I mean, I, especially with how well he's shooting threes now. Like he went from. I thought it would be like, okay, like a slow two or three weeks of him progressing back to now he's shooting like, you know, I think like 75% true shooting over the last two or three games because he's just canning everything from three, which is good. But I think a lot of it's, you know, in terms of getting Zach into more downhill more, using him more as a popper to really play off of that because he is, I mean, I think last year he led the league in three-point field goals made above the break, if I remember correctly. I think it was right around there. Um, but that's the stuff that they really need more of because I do think like, obviously, you know, Cruz is a fine shooter and uh, Lonzo's turned into a really good one, but with the release point that Vooch has and his ability to get it off, you know, doing something off of what Tamar and Zach are doing. So important that it's falling from the bowls. Isn't he technically the key to the half court um, offensive bulls beating the zone, especially in that short roll? Yeah, I think day, so. Because a lot of the times when you see the Bulls struggle, especially when you get Zach and DeMar doubled uh, at the top of the key, they can they can use Vooch as that release valve, and then he can find uh, shooters at the corner or off the elbow, right? That that like I feel like that's a lot. That's something the Bulls need to really work on. And and since he's back to his game, and and his passing game was good all season, like. Mm-hmm. He was he was a solid he was a good passer all season. Like there would be time like we saw what happened when the Bulls for first few games when we they didn't have him against like the Warriors for example they really struggled um, trying to figure out how they tried to use like certain guys like Alize, uh Tony Bradley in that role like oh this is just this is brutal to watch him try yeah, to it was not great <laughs> try to be these short roll bigs it's like oh no this is bad this is so bad so like right isn't isn't Vooch like the kind of the, the answer to the, the zone in a sense yeah I mean he's definitely key to that and the half court too um 
Like I think uh, I'm trying to remember which game it was. I'm sorry. I watched so many games. So I, then that was not meant as a flex, but like I, I forget <laughs> no, which game I watch sometimes when I'm going back. Humble brag, man. <laughs> um, I think it might've been the game against Miami when they really started to bog down and struggle against the zone. Um, and I think Derek Jones was out there at the five. Part of it too is it's like, um, I don't know if it's because Damar and, and Zach are rejecting screens or anything, but there were times where they just kind of had Derek floating baseline. I didn't really get that. Like, Derek's not really, and again, like I think that's what we'll talk about too. Like Derek, as good as he is playing a small ball five, he's really not a short roll passer. Like he can, he's a good roller, um, but he's not really awesome at making those kickout passes. He can at times, but it's not consistent enough where you really care. Um, but like putting him, just just having him in the dunker spot or in the baseline against zone didn't really do anything. Um, so yeah, like you look at 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 what Vooch can do in terms of just even if he's just floating into the elbow or or doing things like we saw Thad do a bunch last year before Vooch came over, things that that loosen up the defense like that's so important. And I, I agree, like getting the most out of him is is extremely key to them becoming a better offense in the half court. We were talking about this with uh, Morton Jensen on uh, our last show or uh, a recent show, but. I, I think it's really remarkable how this Bulls team has become a very modern NBA team almost overnight in one offseason. And a big part of that is Lonzo Ball and Alex Caruso not only being able to pass and hit threes, but being able to defend multiple positions on the perimeter. So you have this lineup that the Bulls use a lot where you have Ball, Caruso, Zach, DeMar, and, uh, you know, Vooch is at center, but you have four guys who are about like 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, and they, they, no, no one really kills you on either side of the ball. It gives you so much positional flexibility, I feel like. And then even when Vooch was out and they were playing Derrick Jones Jr. there, it, it, it was damn near like really unstoppable for a brief stretch. So, like, how impressed have you been by what Lonzo Ball and Alex Caruso have added to this Bulls team? this season just in terms of like the versatility and flexibility that they give so many lineups yeah i mean i think i did uh i think i did an all defense team last week and i had both them on it um they're i mean they've been incredible like obviously alex has been i do think the defensive player that your talks were a little far-fetched i don't think he has that kind of impact it's just hard to as a guard um but in terms of what he's doing like looking at um you know when they play i think it was a I'm trying to remember. I think it was the Warriors game. You saw him play that well against Steph. Um, you've seen how well he's played just at the point of attack in general. I'm excited to see what he looks like against Harden again tonight. Um, Harden had kind of a rough game yesterday, but um, you know, I he, think he put he put Harden in jail the first time they put they played. He just, yes, he completely locked him up. Yeah, like seeing what he's done at the point of attack has been awesome. My friend Mike De La Rosa made a really good video on him that I recommend going and watching. Um, He's been awesome. And what Lonzo's done too, just in, I mean, he's playing up on matchups. He's taking, you know, the, what he's doing more off the ball. And as a roamer has been huge. Um, like the first game against the Knicks, what he did against Julius Randle, playing him one up most of the game was like incredible. I thought last year, I was honestly really harsh with Lonzo. He was not a good defender. In in my opinion, like he was, for what I view him as and what he needs to be like, he was, I mean, he was like close to neutral in New Orleans, but he was not this level of point of attack defender last, last year. Like his screen navigation is a lot better. It's been a lot more physical. Um, and what he's done off the ball too, has just been absolutely tremendous, but seeing him take that leap defensively has been massive offensively. Um, 
again, I think it's more of like they like they also like their defense transit it, turning into transition points has been massive. Um, like you automatically can get somebody leaking just because of how well those two are playing defensively. And that leads to a lot of the easy points that that Chicago gets. Um, and that's where you feel the best. Like what, what Lonzo does in, in transition is among the best in the league. Um, but it's when it turns into, okay, uh, four seconds and I'm going to take a pull up three. I'm like, no, I, like, I, I get it to an extent, like you want to see some of it, but I also just think like this team is too talented with the half court players that they have to just automatically start launching pull up threes like that. Um, so there are like some, some qualms I have with, uh, with Caruso and, um, and Lonzo offensively, but I still think they've both been really good. Like Lonzo's passing has been tremendous. I still think it's just like uh, there is a little too much of Lonzo running pick and roll in the half court. Cause I just don't think he's that player. Um, I get to an extent. It's not like you can just, you know, it's not like looking at, um, you know, 2k, like you can't just have him not run anything in the half court. You can't just have him be a strictly off ball player because I'm sure there's something there with him where he's like, I want to run pick and roll and I, I'm capable of doing this. Well, you're shooting 38% on three on, on twos this year. So no, probably not as much, but um, yeah. th- there's, it, it's still been, I mean, they've been, they've been awesome to watch and, and it's hard to find a lot of fault with them, especially because Alex has been a lot better offensively too. His shots really started to fall. Um, but yeah, they've been a big reason for why the Bulls are doing what they're doing, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that their defensive, uh, obviously what they do defensively, they're kind of like, the anchors, I always keep kind of the anchors of the Bulls defense, both mm-hmm. of them combined. And when both of them are on the court together, you know, the Bulls defense, it just, it's, it's really good. Um, I've been an advocate of starting Caruso. Um, obviously, it, you know, it's tough guarding fours when you don't have a, a, you know, a bigger guy in that lineup, but I think Caruso and Lonzo have been doing a good job. Really. Um, I know like the, they give up size and Julius Randall gives them problems. Um, but there was also times where Lonzo was doing a solid job on, uh, on Julius, uh, just an example uh, of a four that, you know, that's, that's a big bruiser in a sense. Um, what are your thoughts about that? Getting Caruso in the starting lineup and, and making sure that, you know, you have the lineup of Zach, DeMar, Vooch, Lonzo Caruso playing more minutes together as opposed to less. Yeah. Um, I guess it just kind of, depends on how things are getting staggered. Um, like I used to be like very in on like, you just have to start your best players. And I think to a degree, yes. Um, but I also think there's something there to what Javante does in his opening minutes. Um, I mean, I've, I've, he's someone like talking about surprise. Like I didn't think he was a rotation player, let alone finding starting time. And I know part of that's just Pat being out, but um, he's been, really tremendous in what he does working back line and um, just bringing things overall. But then it, it's interesting too, because I think Alex is still playing like, I think 29 or 30 minutes a game. So it's like, he's playing starter minutes. I think I almost look at it in terms of, okay, does it make more sense? And I don't, I don't have an answer to this. Like, does it make more sense to um, start automatically with that punch you have, or does it, does it make more sense for you to force a team to, or maybe force a team to alter things when Alex comes in four minutes into the game and he starts having his imprint that way defensively and offensively. Um, so I guess it just kind of comes down to how do you want to start the game? 
How is it? Um, you know, how are you setting the table? How are, how are things going to get impacted from there? And again, I don't, I don't have a real great answer for it. I know every coach is kind of different in how they want to look at things. Um, I mean, I think they went four and one in the stretch when, when Alex was starting and it was good. Uh, so I mean, I, I, I have no real fault with either. As long as he's playing big minutes, I'm like, I, I'm all in on Alex and what he's doing for this team. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. So I, I would say like for me, green, maybe just is playing too, too many, many minutes. I, I like green. I do like Javante, like what he's bringing defensively, obviously on the fast, on the break on offense, he's really good. But in the half court is when he's yeah. not really useful on the offensive end. And there was a still going around. I know Stefan Noah posted it. Um, I think Kevin Farragan also posted it uh, where you saw the defense, like there was nobody like 10 feet near Javante. And, you know, he, he's, he's essentially like uh, almost a, he's a, he's almost, he's a problem in the half court offensively. So that's why I think like, I mean, I know the bulls don't have the, the, the like, that's where you need a four address address maybe in a trade or something like that. And we'll get into that later, but I feel like at least Alex, he, he's not going to be ignored because he's a good connector too, as a passer. So even if you're not worried about Alex, as opposed to Damar and Zach, you, you still have to honor him. You can't just ignore him out there. And obviously you see the impact he brings overall with Lonzo and just him himself, the defensive impact he brings. That's why I just feel like, okay, up his minutes, even yeah, he's playing 29 minutes. Now I'd like to see him play 33 minutes, like something like that. Even those, those four minutes can make a huge difference, especially when you come down to games where you're, you know, five possessions can be the difference between, you know, really winning a game or losing the game too. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting too. Uh, because again, I don't have an answer on it, but he seems like the kind of guy with what he's doing in terms of his physicality. Um, and that can sound like overrated in some ways, but I do think there are some guys where you see diminishing returns and how many minutes they're playing just because of the physical toll of how they play. Um, true. like, I mean, and not to like call his conditioning a sus- suspect or anything, like I'm sure he could handle more minutes, but I just, I do wonder what it would look like, but I think you hit on a really good point and Javante is playing too many minutes. Like ideally like Javante green has been a really nice story and he has factored in nicely for the bulls this season, but I mean, him playing 21 minutes a game is not ideal. Uh, you need somebody there who's going to be doing things differently. And I think it's tough too, because um, like, I just, I don't really entirely get spacing Javante to the short corner. Um, I mean, for, far corner, like, I mean, teams are going to sag off of him. I would rather see him. Okay. Just put him in the dunker spot. At least you force teams to acknowledge that he's there and maybe he gets an offensive rebound. Cause he's not, he's not a shooter and he's not a great passer either. Like you mentioned, um, so I don't know. I, I think I, you know, like you're, like you're talking about with trades, like there's stuff to look at there. Um, I still think he factors in and, and can do nice things, but yeah, him playing 21 minutes a game is a, uh, is a tough sell to a degree. Uh, can you figure out a way for the bulls to get Harrison Barnes? <laughs> uh, I mean, if the Kings lose like seven of their next 10, I think that's the only real answer I have for you. <laughs> um, because that's like, I, I don't that, you, they're weird. I don't I don't know yeah. what to make of that team because I think especially with like they've been a little bit ish ish better with Alvin, but then they got blown out by the Lakers in a game where they were up by they were up by twenty and they ended up losing by like almost I think thirty five something like that. Uh, 
ugly. Um, and they lost to the Mavs the game before, if I remember correctly. No, they lost to the Memphis the game before. Um, they're a team that wants to be in the hunt, but I just like with how the season's gone, with how uh, pretty much everybody has a solid lead on them in the West. I don't know. Um, and especially too, with how well Harrison Barnes is liked around that organization and what he does. And he's extremely important for them being a successful team. If they want to keep being close to that. Um, but he would be really nice for the bulls. So yeah, I, I don't know, but I don't, I don't have a great answer. For him getting <laughs> See, it's, I, I agree with, I think you and Salim are both right in the sense that you have to think about Caruso is just something that you can kind of pull out of your back pocket and then you throw him in like at four or five minutes and then it forces a team to like adjust a little bit because of like the havoc that he can wreak defensively. But at the same time, you also do want to play your, you know, your best lineup the most minutes. And I think that's what that lineup is. But Javante in the playoffs, at least, I think he's going to be a problem. He's going to be schemed out because he is a non-shooter and I feel like if you can acquire a guy who can hit that corner three, like if you're spacing that player out to to the uh, corner spot and you have someone there like a Harrison Barnes who can knock that shot down, like he's shooting 50% from the corner three this season, then all of a sudden this Bulls offense becomes even tougher to guard. And I feel like that's what can really, there's other things, but I think that can really unlock you into being like a top five offense because those are those games we were talking before we started recording about how Lonzo has, even though he's become a really good shooter, he does have those games where he's hitting like, like goes like two for nine or something like that. I feel like if you have another high volume shooter at that corner spot, you really got something. So uh, yeah, Barnes will be a dream. I don't know if there's another player who could do something similar and might be easier to acquire, but like, who are some trade targets that you have in mind outside of Barnes who you really think could benefit this Bulls team a lot? Yeah, I mean, it's hard because, like, I think I'm, I'm counting right now. Um, yeah, other than – so there are seven teams right now that are – not all – no, eight teams that are below 500. If you're excluding, like, the teams that are – okay, eight, eight teams that are um, less than, like, three games from being back at 500. Uh, I mean, more than three games. Sorry, my analogies and, and connecting things are terrible. Eight teams that are like uh, farther away from being 500 than than, than being 500. Um, and I, I just don't know what that looks like. Okay, like maybe San Antonio, uh, Derek White. I don't know if he'd be available for trade. Um, he's somebody whose name always gets kicked around, but he's had injury issues. I do think he's going to look better offensively. He's really struggled this year. Um, but that's adding another guard. That's really not a four. Although I do think in terms of what he brings defensively, he can guard up, you know, you, you can, you can have more confidence in him actually being guarded out to three. Um, Thad is not able to be traded back to, <laughs> to the Bulls. So sorry. Uh, maybe if he gets waived, I don't think he'll get waived though. Um, I don't, I mean, maybe Houston trades Christian Wood. I don't think that the Bulls have the pull to get somebody like Christian Wood. And I also don't know entirely, uh, if he's the guy I would target if I'm Houston, I mean, if I'm, if I'm Chicago, um, I would wonder too, with Washington, like they're starting to skid a little bit. I do think they will be better, but they've kind of lost their way defensively, which is what really set the table for them early this year. Uh, they have such a funky roster in terms of how many guys they have that are fours and Hey, the bulls need a four. Um, 
I would certainly call and inquire about Kyle Kuzma. I know that some Bulls fans would probably have misgivings about the idea of bringing Kyle Kuzma. He's been tremendous this year. No, I'll take Kuzma. I I know people like to make memes out of like the things he does off court, like with his, uh, you know, certain dress styles and stuff like that. I don't really care about that, but yeah, he, he, he's, uh, he's a solid piece for sure. Yeah, no, I mean, he's, I don't, I don't know what it would take to trade for Kyle. Um, And I don't know if Washington would want to trade Kyle, but uh, he's good, man. Like he's been very good defensively this year. His rebounding has been huge. And that's something that I think the Bulls could definitely benefit from. Um, Like I think he's averaging like nine boards a game and it hasn't just been false numbers. Like he's really attacking the glass. He shot uh, I mean, 35% isn't great. I think that's right around league average this year from three, but it's on high volume. He has a little bit of juice off the bounce. He's not a great passer, but he's gotten a little bit better in terms of just making connective plays. Um, he's somebody who I think would make sense. Uh, there isn't really another four in that roster I'd go after. Like, I don't think Davis Bertans would make sense for this team. And he's kind of getting paid too much to really factor into making that acquisition work. Um, and I mean, I don't know who else would even be available that, that makes sense. Like I know Pascal Siakam got thrown around before the season. I don't think the bulls have the means to acquire Pascal. I don't think that, that the Raptors should even look at, at, at trading him. Um, but I mean, if there was a trade available, I would say do it. I guess my question to you guys would be, what is your, um, you know, what is your sense of willingness to, to part with Patrick Williams? Because I think that's the big determining factor of what your, um, you know, what move you're making to to really sell out for this year or, or whatever the window is the next year or two. Yeah, I, I, you know, before the season started, and even when the season started, I was hesitant and wanted to put Pat on the table. I like Pat. I still think he's going to be a very a good player in this league. Um, but now as we're getting, you know, closer into the, or more into the season, not closer, more into the season, we're seeing the East landscape being what it is. I think probably the Bucks. I would say, are the only team that, you know, you can still say, yeah, that's a team that's still probably going to be the, the team to go through. Um, they just had a, you know, a, a, a slow start because of, COVID and, you know, weird other things. And and we'll see how much this Brooke Lopez news affects them because I think that's going to be pretty big for them. And we don't know how much DeMarcus Cousins really is going to be able to help out and be a replacement for Brooke Lopez. But the being that second team is there and maybe you can get to the Eastern Conference Finals and then you never know what happens um, in that matchup if you meet the Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals, for example. Um, seeing that, that, that opportunity that is there for the bulls to potentially do that. What the Phoenix suns did last year. I say, yeah, let's make Pat available. Um, I know there's people that have mentioned Pat and DJJ for Harrison Barnes. I don't know if that's too much, but that's a good deal. I think that seems like a good deal. The Kings could get, you know, that I don't know how much better you can get for Harrison Barnes. Uh, he's a good player. I think he's evolved. I've, you know, I've repeatedly mentioned um, I think he's probably turning into the player people thought he would be coming into the league. Like some of the things that he's developed as far as his skill set, um, the things that he's doing like in his game, I feel like he like we didn't see that from him early in his career. Um, especially the shot creation that he's kind of doing. It's like, oh wow, this guy's actually creating uh good looks for himself. And even his passing game's gotten a little better as a connector and and being able to get others involved. So that's something that Edward and I have constantly talked about, you know, numerous podcasts that we've done in the recently is a Harrison Barn deal 
centered around Pat, yeah. essentially. I, I think it just ultimately comes down to what your urgency is for this season. The Bulls are second in the East. They're one of the more balanced teams in the league so far, and they have two guys officially scoring 25 points per game. And these are veterans. So I I feel like if DeMar was younger, I'd be like, eh, there's no reason to do something like that. But I I feel like you always have to strike while the iron is hot. And I feel like Bulls fans, we've learned that in the past when we've had opportunities to get difference makers, like back in 06, 07, back in 2010, 11, and we didn't do it. And then things fall apart afterwards. And you're just like, man, what if we had made a move at that time to maximize what we really had? So I kind of look at this as the same where, hey, everything's in place right now. Why not make a move? Um, I I like Pat a lot, but Harrison Barnes could really, really improve this team. I feel like he's a really good fit. Not saying that he's the difference between the Bulls holding up a championship uh, in the summer or not. But, man, I I feel like he gives you a pretty decent shot to really be to really cement yourself as like a top three or top two seed in the Eastern Conference. You just want to give yourself a chance and and see what happens. You never know what injuries might happen to other teams or you know, you know, whatever other uncontrollable factors might happen. So I think if you really want to maximize this season, then that's a move you really strongly got to consider. Yeah, and I, I feel like I would definitely be open to it for them. Um like I, I do think it's tough with Harrison because he's pretty limited defensively. I wouldn't say he's bad defensively. Like he's closer to neutral. He can sometimes be above average, but like, um, I mean, it's been better this year in how Sacramento is asking him to play, but they, they asked him to switch on the guards all the time last year. You can't really switch on the wings. He's a lot more of a four than any kind of wing, just in all honesty. Like he really will struggle. Like if he had to guard somebody like the mark, he's going to struggle with that matchup because he doesn't quite have the foot speed. Um, like he is athletic, but more in terms of, you know, being strong. And like, you see that, like, he's really good at attacking closeouts. He's got a little bit of a dribble drive game that he didn't used to have. I think ideally you want, if, if he was playing with the bulls, you want to see him evolve more and okay. Can you take seven or eight threes a game instead of four or five? Mm-hmm. Um, Cause he still does operate a little bit more from the mid range and it's been less this year. He's done more in terms of getting to the rim. But like, again, I just think it'd be like less of a seamless, fit. he would still be very impactful. I'm just thinking through in my head. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I would have to think on it more in terms of what it means in terms of giving up Pat, but just looking at this, like in terms of looking at where you're at in the standings right now, I don't, I don't know if I would take this team to beat Milwaukee. Um, I, I think Zach Lowe said on his pod, uh, yesterday that he's heard stuff that they think Brooke will be back, uh, not relatively soon, but this season that, that the outlook is positive, even though he's been held out a little bit longer than was expected, um, and Milwaukee's been awesome since they got Chris and, uh, and Drew back fully. Mm. And I mean, you see that, like they are playing incredibly well. They're up to 14 and nine after being, I think they started below 500 through the first 10 games. Um, like, I mean, I think Brooklyn, I don't know if Brooklyn has another move to make. I, I don't know who I would take in a series between Brooklyn and Chicago, which is, I mean, that's shows how well Chicago was played this year, in my opinion. And it's also like Brooklyn. I just have more questions about them, but like Miami with Bam out of bio being out a month or two, potentially. And Jimmy has missed some time now. Uh, of course, Indiana still lost to them yesterday whatever. Um, that's <laughs> uh, God. Uh, but I think, I mean, Chicago has the chance to really cement home court, uh, in the playoffs. And I think that they shouldn't pass it up, frankly, because I, I agree with you guys. 
Um, like I just look at this so much in terms of this team is really outside of one series against the Cavs. Um, you know, that was really fun, but didn't end up in a win. Uh, like this, the Chicago team just hasn't really had an opportunity to do much in the playoffs. And I think it's worth taking a shot on a team that has played this well. Um, so yeah, I'm there with you. I would probably make the move for Harrison Barnes. Well, that's what I've been saying. We need to get TJ Warren healthy and just <laughs> give them to the Bulls. That's yeah, uh, <laughs> he would actually be so he would be fantastic for the Bulls, except he's not a great passer. Like he's worse yeah. than Harrison Harris. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, we don't sus, but I mean we just needed to, you know hit open looks and play good defense. Really. That's, that's what we need from our floor. We don't necessarily need like the passer because you, when you have, uh, so multiple guys out there that can, you can run as offensive hubs through, you know, you kind of just need someone that can, you can rely on in in those aspects. So, yeah, it's like I said, you know, it's, it's one of those things where with this team, before the season, you didn't even think like, it's funny, like, because we all thought the East was going to be this like really good, you know, top heavy team. And it's not really been that um, like you, like you mentioned, like, yeah, I would probably so I, I, I would definitely still put the Bucks as the favorites, but like, like I said, you, you never know what happens in that conference. If you meet them in the conference finals and you never know what happens, like if you can make that certain move, um, I know, I, I, I don't know, like he's like, so Brooke Lopez has, he went, he had back surgery, right? So yeah, um, that's kind of interesting that he's saying that he could still be back this year. That's surprising. Yeah. Well, and it's tough too, um, not to veer away from the Bucks, but like, I mean, I just don't know what other teams are doing too. Uh, Cause that's like, true. yes, everyone's 500, but um, what if things click for Boston? Okay, that team, like if, if Jason Tatum starts to look right, I know it's it's early in the year still, but those are things that I'm, I'm thinking about. Like, okay, Charlotte is probably going to go down the standings now. They're missing half their team for like the next week and a half, which is going to hurt them. Right. Um, I don't really know if I – like Cleveland's been good. I don't think that they're a team that's trying to go all in this year or anything, obviously. But like Philadelphia has been really freaking good when Joel plays. And Joel Embiid has been awesome. Like he, this is the best he's looked defensively since his rookie year. He would be if he'd played at like at least seventy percent of his games. He would be my defensive player of the year this year. He's been that good. Um, the offense hasn't even been there for him yet. Are they going to trade if they make a move for Ben Simmons this year? Um, if I mean if they move Ben Simmons this year and, and actually expand on the title window like they should, um, then I would have Philadelphia up there too. But um, like I mean, so many things could change up in the next month yeah. and a half. Um, it's hard to know how to project things. That's and that's another part. Like I'm, and Grant, I'm not wishing coronavirus or anything on anyone, but like the reality of that is that in the playoffs, it's completely possible that some there's an outbreak on a team and something happens, and that team misses key players. So it could absolutely change a series if something unfortunately like that happens. So it's just it, it kind of creates this urgency. I think again to me this year that. Hey, there's so many different things like if some of those teams, like you said, they continue to play well, the market for certain players might increase. And then all of a sudden you're looking at a situation where it's like, do you really want to risk a guy like Barnes or someone else going to one of those teams and you're playing against them in the playoffs? So it's just I don't know, like I, I like that this front office has been really aggressive so far. In terms of identifying their guys, so I think like 
Bulls fans should be optimistic that if they are going to make a move, they most likely will. But it, it definitely feels like one of those strike while the iron is hot type of years. Yeah, no, most definitely, man. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred percent. So another another uh, aspect of this team that has been very interesting this year. I know we talked about Io being a surprising. Uh, as far as what he's brought to the table, but Kobe White has returned from injury has been um, a rough start. I mean, expected rough start, in my opinion, just because when you have a guy that's missed, what, like five months of not doing any basketball activity other than just rehabbing and maybe a little light stuff uh, with with trainers, and then you obviously no training camp. He's kind of being put into a brand new a uh, completely brand new environment, especially with a lot of new moving parts that he also has to build chemistry with and then also build, knock off his rust. I feel like what we've seen from Kobe is expected. Like, yeah, he's going to have a game where he looks really good and then, okay, this is bad Kobe stuff. It's expected. I just think it's expected. And I feel think people have been a little too uh, impatient with him. Um, and then obviously with Io playing so well, people get extra impatient. They like, well, well, we need to give all of his minutes to Io. Um, what are your thoughts on Kobe? Like as far as what you've seen from him so far, and do you think how how long do you think people should be patient with him as far as his production is concerned uh, as the season goes on? Here, and obviously, he's, right now he's out with COVID, which is going to be another little uh, you know barrier that he has to come over come off of. Depending on, uh, I'm assuming he's maybe. In, not uh, symptomatic. I don't know what the deal is, but yeah, just get your thoughts as far as, you know, how long the Bulls should wait. Our Bulls fans should be patient with them because I think patience is warranted. Yeah. Um, it's tough because I think, uh, like I, I have appreciated how Billy Donovan has approached it, even though he has struggled offensively, um, that he's going to get his minutes and his opportunities because they need him to get going. Like, like we, like we spent all this time talking about Javante green and Derek Jones, jr. Um, all these guys were maybe playing a little bit too much because they haven't had that opportunity. There hasn't been somebody in the rotation. who can take that spot. Like I think they need Kobe to be that guy or they need him to play well enough that they can trade him and get somebody who's going to be that guy. Um, I think is how I look at it. And honestly with Kobe too, like, yeah, the offense hasn't been there yet. Like, I think there's been a lot of herky jerkiness between him and Vooch. Like, they kind of run into each other on, on pick and rolls and whatnot. Like, he's much different in how he approaches um, pick and rolling in the half court than I think either DeMar or Zach do. Um, the shot hasn't really been there for him yet. He's had a couple of games where it has been. But honestly, like, uh, and I, I haven't, I'll be honest, I haven't honed in as much the, the last game or two before he went out. Um, but you know, in watching his minutes, I think his defense has been better. Like he's really fought over screens better. I think he's been a little bit more cognizant and just aware in general off the ball. He's still not awesome, but he's been better at the point of attack. Like overall, he's just looking like a, he's, he's gone from being like the worst perimeter defender in the NBA to looking like, okay, he's yes, he's going to be a little bit below average, but there are moments where he can be okay. And I think that's something you really need to see from him. Yeah, absolutely. I think, like, for me with Kobe White, I'm not really, like, worried about him, like, going forward. Like, I think he's going to be fine, and I think he'll eventually, like, pick up his role. Uh, it's just a matter of time, really, with him. So, it's it's been really fortunate for us, at least, that Io has been able to at least be a quality role player off the bench this year. So, that, that to me, has been a really good safety net for this team. Yeah. 
Yeah, hundred percent. So, like with Io being what he is, I think that kind of fuels put people into well, we need Kobe to you know step it up. Um, and it's kind it's kind of tough. Obviously, Io is this. I think you know I I I, I use this example a lot with 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 fish out of water type of stuff like like, like Tony Bradley Jr. for example. Earlier in the season, when he kind of got going, he was doing the things that you know you he his skill set and his talent is capable of doing, like being a solid you know defensive big, being a hustle, getting energy hustle, getting on the defensive boards, stuff like that. And then they started asking him to do stuff like Vooch was doing with like as a passer, as an offensive hub, and trying to uh, do like that short roll stuff. And then all of a sudden, you just saw like, okay, well that's just not his skill set. And I look at IO and I wonder like if let's say, let's put IO on last year's team. Would we really be like a norm with his strengths as much as we are now? Because some of his weaknesses would be more glaring because we have, we, we had a lot less shot creation last season. And I think if with not having less shot creation, we would ask IO to do more shot creation. And that would, I think that's probably been one of his weaknesses, like putting the ball on the, floor and trying to not only create for himself but doing some other things for the for and the flow as a connector and things and that's probably something he needs to work on a little bit more but I think we were trying to be like okay this is not working out as well but because I think it it all works out better is because of how the team team is constructed and 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 again I'm not saying that obviously Iowa has been great defensively he's been spectacular um, that corner three has been surprisingly really good. Like it's a weird release, but the guy hits it. So yeah, like, what are your thoughts on that? Like this example of this a team construction being uh, such an important factor in how you view players. Uh, well, with Io, like um, I don't know, it's tough because I didn't expect him to come in and have an impact this early. Um, like I liked Io a lot coming out of Illinois. Like he's a very um, I think the best way to put him, like he was a guy who was obviously very high usage and he knew he wasn't going to be that guy in the NBA. So seeing how he was going to factor in, I just wasn't sure. Um, like the, like you mentioned, the, the release on his three is very odd, but it goes in from, from the corner. So like, he'll take it. Um, and I, I apologize if I take your, I think I understood your question correctly, but like in terms of trying to figure out how to get the most out of him with, with, you know, while also trying to figure out things with Kobe, like I think it helps because, Billy knows what he's getting from Io to a degree already, um, which sounds kind of wild to say about a rookie, but I just think, you know, with what the energy that he's bringing, like that's a big part of why it matters with him playing. Um, I think you can kind of afford to really um, figure things out with Kobe right now. Obviously you don't want to just take away Io's minutes, but um, I do think like, you know, a lot of times people will be like, Oh, you know, well, rookies, you're never going to get a positive from rookie. I do think you can get like, stretches of positivity, which I always definitely brought defensively, uh, putting the ball in the deck and whatnot. Yeah. That's been a big problem. <laughs> uh, especially in transition. Like, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen, uh, what is the movie I'm trying to think off the top of my head? Um, forgetting Sarah Marshall, uh, Paul yeah, Rudd right. plays a character forgetting Sarah Marshall. His name's, uh, I think Kuna or something like that. And he's a, like a, uh, a surf instructor. And he, there's just this whole scene where he just keeps saying, do less, do less. And that's how I feel every time Io touches the ball on offense and he has to dribble. Like, it's a lot. Um, but 
I, I don't know if that fully answered your question. I, that was a odd tangent, but yeah. No, it, no. I, I kind of like it does. Cause like I was like, I was just saying like in a sense where if, if, if the team wasn't as, you know, rich with shot creation and we're asking IO to do more than he is, I think our opinions would be less, a little more frustrating just because he's, his skill set's not there yet. And I just always think about that now more so as like what we're asking players to do. Does their skill set fit that those responsibilities? And it's fair and unfair to, and I, I guess I'm kind of getting away from, you know, the conversation overall. I just, something I'd always think about. And I, was, I just wanted to get your thoughts on and how that always can play into people's perception of players as well and how they, criticize them and, and, and things like that as far as yeah i think if io right now is for sure a really good player but i feel like if last season on the last season's team people probably would be a little more frustrated especially because he would be he would probably try to do a lot more as far as putting the ball on the floor and trying to create more because the bulls didn't really have a lot else mm-hmm. on on the floor with him to do those things so i guess yeah that's all i just wanted to kind of you know get your thoughts on because those type of things make such a, you know, big difference. Yeah. um, No, that's a good question. I think it's the same thing with looking at Kobe and and even Pat to an extent, like um, this year, like even with the small amount of time we got to see Pat, he was in a much reduced role from what he was doing last year prior. I mean, I guess you could just say since the boost trade, he's been in a reduced role Um, and he struggled with it. Like, I think that's one of the things that, is difficult in trying to find the balance between having an older roster that is trying to be competitive and finding ways for guys to develop. Um, like, you know, I think you can look at things with, with Pat. And again, I know it's tough cause he's not, not playing now, but um, like, how do you factor in maybe running one or two extra things through him a game while knowing, okay, maybe it's not going to go perfectly, but we need to see this from him and, and maybe give him an opportunity to do it. Same thing with Io. Like, I think Io is not the kind of like the level of player where you're going to be like, okay, well, we're going to run an empty corner pick and roll for you and see how it goes. Or we're going to have you attack off second side. Like, you're not going to see as much of that for him because I think it's just been like almost, I don't want to say that he's getting the opportunity just because the Bulls needed him. But like we talked about, like they had real questions and they've shuffled so much in terms of what their their rotation looks like. Like, hey, he, he didn't start off in the rotation at the beginning of the year at least not in the extent that he was, he was in the rotation. So seeing that pop up has been because he's able to play in a smaller role and not do as much. Um, so yeah, we would definitely look at, 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 at any of the young players very differently. If this was a different kind of team or they didn't have the same level of talent, they were being asked to do more. I love the Sarah Marshall reference, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's, dude, it's such a good movie. I, I've, I've I seen it a million times. I was waiting for the entire episode of you making a good, uh, old school hip hop analogy so I can hear Edward get hey. really excited. Hey, just as good. Just as good. Classic hey, it's forgetting movie. Sarah Marshall today. Man. Just as good. Classic movie. <laughs> That's, That's good. That's good. Uh, well, we'll, we'll get wrapped up here. Um, any final thoughts from you, Mark, um, as far as uh, on this team? And obviously, please always uh, plug you, uh, plug us, plug where we can follow you and also anything that you're working on that we can uh, look out for as well. Yeah. Um, with, with this team, just in general, I'm just excited to see what they do. Um, I'm excited to have them back at the level that they're at just because 
my entire time growing up. Like, I mean, the, obviously you had the, the, the Tibbs bowls, which were awesome. And then that fell apart so quickly. It felt like, um, like the last, like I, I mentioned a little bit, the last great memory I have of the bulls is the playoff series against the Cavs and LeBron's first year back. Like that was awesome. Like Jimmy just going off in the one game, Derek hitting the banker, um, you know, the banker three, I think that was in, in Chicago. I can't remember off. The yes, yeah. yes. But like, I mean, and that's what five, six years ago already. So yeah, like seeing this team get back to being at a, at a level that, that like, this is awesome. And it's not like me trying to be a homer for a team or anything. It's more like, I want to see teams be good. There's been a lot of opportunities for this team to be good or, um, or to be better, I should say. And seeing them finally hit a stride and at this level has been awesome. Um, so that's what I'm, I, I just want to see them continue to play like this and, and find themselves uh, watching good teams be good and, and figure out how to be even better is, is fun. Uh, for me, you can find me on Twitter at M Schindler NBA. It's M S C H I N D L E R NBA. Um, I could plug any, any, any number of things, but that's where I'm most active and I'll, I'll have all my stuff there. I should have a piece coming out uh, about the Spurs um, in the coming days. I'm working on a few other things, but nothing I'm ready to plug yet. But yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. It's always fun to talk. 100%. Yeah, you're, you're one of the best. Uh, I'm trying my best, man. I appreciate you. <laughs> no, for sure. Do you, you're, you're, you're great. Like when you say you watch a lot of games, I know you do. And you, you definitely are somebody that uh, I value highly as opinion, as far as his basketball mind, just because I know you put in the work and you're not just, you know, you're not just looking at numbers. You actually, you, you look at both in a sense and you watch the film uh, and I, I really appreciate that, the, the work that you put in and, and just, just seeing you continuously get these opportunities. It's like, like, man, yeah, he's doing it, man. It's so good to see. I, I like Make me that. blush, I man. No, I, you know, it is. It's, it's really nice to see, especially because like, like I said, you know, you, you put in the work and it's nice to see when people put in the work that that paying off, it's always really fun for me to see that. So yeah, I really appreciate you always coming on and giving us your thoughts and sharing us, giving us your insight as well. Um, Edward, any any final thoughts from you? No, uh, thank, thanks again to Mark for uh, driving by. Always love hearing his thoughts and uh, always love hearing his references too. Always great. Uh, I, I'm just, again, the Bulls have been playing really well and I'm just excited to continue seeing these games. And uh, even though the uh, Knicks game, they uh, blew a lead, kind of sucked, but still a really fun game to watch overall and seeing them close it out was really good so again uh looking forward to some more good games from the our uh our beloved yeah 100 percent. i think we're all excited i i we, we keep repeating it that even us most optimistic bulls fans were are pretty much you know surprised at how well things have really worked out and them being having the have having a solid opportunity to finish in the top three I and mean, maybe even the second best record uh, in the league, but yeah, it, it's been an exciting season and we'll see how it keeps going, but that's pretty much a wrap for today's show. Please follow us at bulls gold. Uh, also our personal Twitter accounts at Salim underscore BG hoops and at Edward, you can follow at Edward Schuler jr. If you missed any previous episodes, you can find us under the Barroom network on all major and minor, minor podcast platforms. Thank you again to Mark Schindler for joining us today. And thank you to all the listeners for tuning in. As always, for Edward Shula and myself, till next time, Bulls fans.